Hey guys, and welcome to the Abundance Alchemist podcast. I'm Caitlin Dorsey, an Abundance Alchemist, animal lover, trauma survivor to thriver, mindset expert, self-love junkie, and author. This is the place to be to grab those powerful tools, ideas, and inspiration to make lasting changes in yourself and your life. No more waiting, my friends, because it's time to show up unapologetically, radiate that confidence, and create a life you absolutely love. Time to buckle up and dive on in. Hello, my happy-being friends. I'm so excited you're here and as always have an amazing guest to introduce to you today. Today, we're going to be talking with Amy Gretschmiel. Amy Gretschmiel is a, fa- a former for- Fortune 500 VP turned corporate mom coach who helps working mothers manage their mental and emotional wellness and experience more balance, presence, and ease in their daily lives. Amy guides women to get clear on their desired outcomes so that Uh, So they may have a lasting legacy for their family and make an impact in their career. Amy is an action-oriented mentor who has helped hundreds of individuals reach their goals while overcoming personal and professional challenges. So welcome to the podcast, Amy. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Caitlin. Of course. So I would love to just start off um, by you sharing how you got into doing what you're doing today. Yeah, so I um, had an 18-year corporate career, uh, which I left in 2020 when my kids were uh, one and three years old. Wow. So I um, I had a pretty established career prior to becoming a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, I was already a VP at a large institution at the age of 35 when I had mm-hmm. my daughter. And uh, I, I had my first child at the age of 35. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was a real awakening for me. Um, you know, prior to becoming a mother my career was really my identity. I mean, Mm. it was like I lived and breathed it Monday through Friday, maybe even sometimes on the weekends. It was, you know, if people asked me like, oh, how are you? Like I'd start talking about my job, right? Like it Mm was, I mean, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but it's just what it was. Mm -hmm. And I think many people can relate to that. And, um, you know, I was very, without realizing it, I was very, addicted to achievement and Mm -hmm. the hustle culture, again, without realizing it, Mm -hmm. right? And it wasn't until I became a mother and was really, you know, forced to slow down in a way I never have before, um, because I wanted to savor, I wanted to savor the experience. And I just, I just didn't know how, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I didn't know how I didn't know what that looked like. It wasn't modeled for me. Like, I, I, I was lost. Mm -hmm. So I started working with life coaches, um, like as a student, Mm -hmm. um, when my daughter, my firstborn was a baby and I was like blown away by what I was learning. And I just kind of kept on working with the next coach and the next coach and the next coach. And next thing I knew it, I was like, Oh my God, I'm obsessed with coaching. And why is no one talking about this in corporate? And I felt like I had a duty to, become a coach myself and and bring it to women in corporate. Mm-hmm. So that's how the corporate mom coach was born. I love that. I feel like everything you were saying resonated so much with me of that high achievement, not slowing down until you have a baby. And then man, when you have a baby, it's, it's a harsh stop because yeah. it has to be. Um, but I think it's still such a challenge nowadays to, like you said, figure out how do we savor it and figure out this dynamic of like, if you are still working and being a parent, what does that even look like for us? It's a really hard piece to start navigating. Mm -hmm. It is. 
So what I've learned and and what I teach in my program as a coach, um, you know, the the key themes are really around, I, I would say the key themes for overall mental and emotional wellness, which is mm-hmm. really what we're all after, right? I mean, we can have all the money in the world, but if we're like stressed out and boiling mm-hmm. over the top, it doesn't really matter, right? Right. So in the end, we all want like mental and emotional wellness. And so um, what I found is the solution for that really falls into two themes. The first theme is time management. Mm-hmm. And there's no shortage of information on that out there, right? right? Like, it, like there's all sorts of time management efficiency techniques and all the things, and you can do that, do this, download that app, use this, don't use like all the things, right? Mm-hmm. Important. Yes. Um, but you can't talk about that without ta- also talking about mindset management. And that's mm-hmm. the part that's missed. And that's the part that I learned truly at the age of 35, working with coaches after I had my first baby. And I was like, why has no one like taught mm-hmm. me about mindset? I mean, like you kind of hear about it. Like if you're, if you have a background in psychology or mm-hmm. sports, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But not really like mainstream day to day. And when I started learning about, you know, ways to manage my mindset and then how to apply that to my motherhood experience, to my corporate experience, to my uh, family, to my husband, all the things like it completely changed everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think what I like to do is I couple them both together, the time management and the mindset management, Mm -hmm. Um, because the mindset management component, you also need to know in order to manage your time effectively which most people do not, right. right? Like how many new year's resolutions like has one person been through that like never really come to fruition? Mm-hmm. So many, right? And there's a reason for that. There's a reason why, you know, many people um, don't have habits that stick. There's a reason why many people don't set goals or don't achieve their goals. So when you understand what that reason is and how to work around it or how to reshape it, then you really get more of your desired outcomes in your life. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that's so important because I think you're so right. There's a wealth of knowledge about time management. And I think just thinking about parents and being a new parent, that was one thing that was really important when I first had my my kiddo um, because it was like nap time, right? Like they're like, oh, sleep when the baby sleeps. And I was like, yeah, whatever. That's not going to work for me. I have to get all these things done. And so it was batching my time and using what I'd learned with time management. But you're so right. That mindset piece was missing because it was working mom to I'm now on mom duty with my son. And I kind of lost this piece of time for me, which I think a lot of parents and moms do. And I wasn't nurturing my mindset at all because I was just focusing on getting through the day and getting through the things that I had to get done and feeling that lovely mom guilt of, oh man, am I not savoring these moments? So also impacting that mental health and mindset like you're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. The big turning point for me was when my daughter was about six months old, she was six or seven months old. She was sitting, you know, she didn't even walk yet. And she was like sitting on the kitchen floor and she was, you know, kind of like bouncing up and down, like being really cute. And I remember my, um, my nanny at the time, uh, she was sitting near her and she was having so much fun with her, like bouncing together and making like cute noises and like genuinely enjoying the experience. Mm -hmm. And I looked over and I was like, I want to feel that 
for my own child. Like this mm-hmm. is my child on the floor and my nanny's more excited about it than I am mm. and are excited about her than I am. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Right? Like, why am I not enjoying this like special sweet moment that she's having? Mm. And so I had to really like dig deep and like figure this out because, you know, this motherhood role wasn't going away anytime soon. And I was like, this is a role I'm going to be in the rest of my life. And I definitely just don't want to suffer through it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a big narrative out mm-hmm. there. I feel like, like, oh my gosh, like mom struggle culture is like a thing, you yep. know, it's like, you just got to bootstrap your way through it. It's, you know, it's going to suck till they leave the house. I'm like, what, you know, I don't want to subscribe to this. You know, this is, this is a big deal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what do I have to learn or what new information do I need to understand so that I can enjoy this experience? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and if there's anything that I needed to do on my end, I was, I was willing to do that. I love that. And I appreciate you sharing such a vulnerable moment too, because I think it's hard, like you said, that, that struggle mom culture or this mom guilt have become like you said, the norm, the narrative, that's just appropriate. And we don't want to share those moments, but we also bond over those moments because they're happening rather than really figuring out, okay, what's the shift like you're talking about. So how do we, as parents that are working, since I know that's kind of what we're talking about more. So how do we figure out this balance between having those boundaries as a working parent, having things to get done and having the balance of enjoying your life and your kids? Yeah. So first off, I think, and this is where I start with people, you really, really have to get clear on your values. And I know that sounds cliche, right? But it's, it's everything, right? You have to, so your values are really underneath everything that you do. Um, and they're subconscious, right? So they exist in your mindset, um, largely informed by your upbringing, culture, society, education, all the things. Um, but at the core of each person, there's, there's, you know, a handful of core values, things that are really, really important to that person. Right. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when we enter into motherhood, which is essentially like a brand new identity, we've Mm -hmm. never been in a new role. We've never been in before. We don't realize that our values, like literally everything in our body and our nervous system at the cellular level is changing. Mm -hmm. And so are our values. Mm -hmm. And so you have to get really clear on what your new values are now that you're in this new identity as a mother. So like, I'm, I'm very like, I know exactly what my values are today. They're well-being, connection and freedom. Right. But Mm -hmm. when I was in corporate 10 years ago, before I had children, I didn't know what my values were. I didn't know what they were at all. I mean, I guess I could maybe come up with three or four if you asked me, but looking back now at the person I was then, I definitely valued achievement Mm -hmm. back then. So that was a big driver for me, which is why I did so well in corporate, Mm -hmm. but it was also why I was overworked, over-functioning, sending emails at midnight, all the things, right? Mm -hmm because I valued achievement again, not right or wrong. It's just what it was at that time, but it shifted when I became a parent Mm. and a part. So such a big part of the struggle that I experienced was that I was resisting that shift. Mm. I didn't know 
that's what was really happening, but that's what was really happening. It was almost like I was shedding this value of achievement. It wasn't as important to me anymore inherently, but I felt like it should still it should still be because I had done it for so long. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely, it does. Yeah. Yeah. I so, go ahead. So the values, the values are really important. When once you're clear on what your values are, like as a as a parent, as a woman, as an individual. I mean, you can even establish family values, but that's like step two. Mm -hmm. Step one is your own core values, right? But once you're clear on what your your values are based on where you are in your life at that point in your life, mostly for most women, it's like mid-career, right? Mm -hmm. Like they start to have kids like mid-career these days. That's what I did. Mm -hmm. Um, Once you're clear on your values, it makes all your decision-making easier. Mm -hmm. Because then you know which way you're choosing and you know what's a priority and what's not. Yeah. So I want to take it one step back because I think that you're right. We hear this kind of cliche of your values and we hear core core values, core beliefs, all these kind of different pieces that go into it. And if that's not common knowledge for us, if you're talking to somebody that doesn't even know where to start with identifying their values, what would you share with them? Well, I'm not just saying this because I'm a coach, but likely you need a guide or a coach. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's the only way I figured it out because I I was working with one as a student, right? So you you basically need to be guided by someone who's gone before you, Mm -hmm. right? That and and this is true in all that we do, right? Like we learn from mentors at work, right? Mm-hmm. We learn from our mothers and our grandmothers in terms of parenting, right? We learn from you know athletes or you know fitness instructors about fitness, right? Like you, we're always learning from people who have gone before us, for people who are a little bit further than where we are. So I I find I it works for me to learn from people who have who have what I want for people who've Mm -hmm. done what I want to do. So for me, you know, working with someone as a guide to figure out like, okay, how do I navigate this new experience? And what are the tools and the processes I need to go through in order to do that? For me, the, the quick and easy answer was working with a life coach. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, I really liked how you put that as like, we do learn from people so much. I, think with, you know, in school for counseling, you're hounded about counselors have counselors have counselors because of that name. And same thing with everything you're talking about, coaches of coaches of coaches. And it's because of exactly what you're sharing. This this life isn't meant to be done alone. We're not always supposed to be recreating the wheel. We can learn from these people that have done it before. And, and one piece of advice that really impacted me growing up was um, we get a lot of input, right? A lot of judgment, a lot of input from other people. And it was that that person doesn't have what I want or where I'm going, then their opinion doesn't matter. And it's not valid for me. Um, And I think exactly kind of what you said resembles that piece of, I'm going to listen and figure out, okay, who can reflect back my values and what's important to me that is where I want to be and can help me see the path of how to get there. Exactly. And you are the company you keep, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've we've heard this all before. It's all true. And it's it's something like you were the sum of the, you know, the six people you surround yourself with or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Yep. I mean, it's true. 
we learn from each other. We pick up from each other energetically. And um, this is, it, it impacts how it impacts what we know and how we behave and how we perform. Mm-hmm. It absolutely does. And I think I really liked your answer of, too, of, you know, when we're starting to figure out what our boundaries and balance are, like you, you mentioned, when we know our values, our decisions become informed by those values and they become very cut and dry. Um, and I think since we're talking about being parents and new parents, that was a really big shift for me. Exactly. Like you said, it was a new identity. And to me, I'm 100% high achiever. Achievement was my lifestyle very much the same. Um, I think I took, what was that? I think I have it up here. The Clifton Strengths, uh, that test. And my number one was achiever. And I was like, oh yeah, I know how to do this. And man, I had a baby and I was like, nothing else in my life matters now. Like my son was, and, and you know, in the grand scheme, right? That's generalization. But the truth is that, yeah, my son was the most important thing to me, but it wasn't awakening of now, how do I navigate this new piece where all of my decisions are changing because my value changed my like really that is that's a really impactful piece when you share that i'm like absolutely that makes 100 yeah. sense and the struggle exists because we are resisting it like mm. we think and this is why mindset's so important we think we should still be operating and performing and really quite quite frankly caring as much as we did in the past. And I don't mean don't put in, you know, like stop doing your job well. That's not what I mean. But if you think about all the like thought energy that goes into um, work before kids versus after kids, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, there's only a certain amount, right? So preserving your your energy as a person, especially after you become a parent, becomes really, really important because it impacts your mental and emotional wellness mm-hmm. and your well-being. And if And if you're not showing up, right, like the way that you want, neither is anyone else in the family, basically. So it all, it's, it's a, it's a trickle down effect. Um, And, you know, this is true also in corporate, but we can hide behind more in corporate, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We wear more masks in corporate, but as a parent, we're, it's all out there. Mm -hmm. It's all out there in the open. And we have these little humans who are just looking at us like sponges, just taking in everything. Yeah. It's I, and again, I'm bringing in, you know, these things that I've heard, but it's just so relevant for this conversation. I saw something the other day that said, um, you're teaching your, your child how to be a human. And I was like, Whoa, that's impactful. Right. If you're sitting in front of the TV, not being active, you're showing your child not to be engaged or those kind of pieces. It's that reflection. So I love that there's this piece and, and it, it keeps bringing me back to this term that I think I'm curious what it means as far as um, kind of from some of your work, it's called the terror barrier. And I'm curious what that is. Yeah. So, okay. So the terror barrier is um, when you basically are going up against or doing something you've never done before. Right. So you're doing something you've never done before. Maybe that's becoming a mom. Maybe that's running a marathon. Maybe that's, you know, getting a new role as a director or a VP, right? Mm-hmm. There's always some nervousness or anxiety about doing something for the first time, right? Yep. And with that comes a lot of fear. And the reason for that is because your brain isn't used to doing what it is you're about to do, mm-hmm. right? Like this is neuroscience. Your brain Mm -hmm. isn't like, there's a lot of uncertainty because you've never done it before, right? right? 
and your brain really likes what's familiar. Mm -hmm. So when you start to go into unfamiliar territory, again, doing something you've never done before, whether that's a new job, new role, new parent, whatever the case may be, going to a new place, right? Mm -hmm. There's a level of nervousness, anxiety, or terror, fear, right? That comes up. Mm -hmm. This is normal. Like this is a normal nervous system response, right? But most people don't know what to do with uncomfortable emotions like fear. Mm -hmm. So when that comes up, they retreat because it's uncomfortable and they just go back to what's normal. They go back to what's safe. They go back to what's easy, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's what's most familiar to your brain. Your brain likes uh, what's known and what's familiar. Mm -hmm. So the terror barrier is when you're up against something, almost like a barrier, right? And here's where you are. But on the other side of that barrier is like the new you, right? Mm -hmm. It's the goal achieved. It's the new identity. It's your desired outcome. But first, you must break through that fear. Mm -hmm. You must go over that terror barrier in order to get to the other side. And the only way to do that is through managing your mindset and managing your emotions through that process. Mm, I love that. Yes. I I was having a very similar conversation with one of my clients the other day. um, And it was this idea of the same thing. They, they were in a domestic violence situation and they were in a really unhealthy relationship. And their question to me was, why do I feel more comfortable when I'm being hurt versus when somebody's not hurting me? And we had that same conversation about neuroscience and this piece of, doesn't even if it's we label it as bad or good it doesn't matter because it's the comfortability because you know the outcomes of that situation and you're exactly like you're talking about the terror barrier is what they're facing of i don't know what it's going to be like if i don't know the outcomes that somebody's going to harm me and i think Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if the situation you're in is healthy or unhealthy this Right. This is why, I mean, if we apply this, we can apply this to abuse. We can apply this to corporate, right? If right. you're in a situation that's unhealthy, whether mm-hmm. that's at home or like in the workplace, right? If you're in a toxic, unhealthy situation, I see so many people who still find it challenging to leave. Why? Because of the terror barrier, because they don't know what's next for them. Mm-hmm. The uncertainty is more par- paralyzing even though the place that they're in is unhealthy. Exactly. Like people won't go and look for a new job or apply for a new job because they make up all these excuses in their mind of like, well, you know, I, I won't get paid as much or I won't know anyone or I don't interview well, or like just all this craziness. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm like, but you're in a toxic work environment. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, So you have to push past that unknown, that fear, that terror barrier to get to the other side. Mm -hmm. And so when you learn how to manage your emotions and your mindset during that process, you're then able to take bigger leaps in your life and Mm -hmm. achieve more of your desired outcomes. I love that. So a lot of this is this piece about mindset, right? Which we said is the missing piece. If we kind of tie this back into the idea of time management and mindset, we get into this world of routines to be effective. And I'm curious if you have kind of a routine that you feel like helps you be successful or recommendation of where somebody can start with finding a routine for them. 
Yeah. So I, I do, I do have um, a routine. So um, some people call it a morning routine for mm-hmm. me. I call it a before 12 PM routine. Love it. Um, <laughs> sometimes it happens in the morning and sometimes it, it happens Does after it? my kids get to school. Right. That's fine, but it happens. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, what's key. So there's a number of things that, you know, everybody's like, well, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a number of things that can take place. There's a different combination of things that could take place. It's not just like one thing, mm-hmm. but there are general themes that um, are impactful and effective in order to then better manage your mental and emotional wellness. And I would say, hands down, the number one thing to do for me that was most impactful was to start a meditation practice. And it's so easy to do, right? Mm -hmm. Like we know this, it's so easy to do. It's so simple that actually most people don't do it, right? Mm -hmm. Because people are like, well, what it's going to do? What's, what's the outcome? What, you know, but what you don't realize, I mean, there's so much science around this, around how it benefits someone's nervous system. Mm Mm-hmm. The benefits it has to your nervous system, which impacts uh, how calm you are, right? And as a parent, yep. like we all want more calm, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it impacts how calm and peaceful you are. And it also impacts your brain um, and allows you to discern your reactions. Mm-hmm. It basically allows you to respond instead of react, right? Right. So it gives you that space. So there's all sorts of science around this. And I mean, I won't get into all of it, but if that's like the one takeaway that I would leave for people or the one recommendation I would give, mm-hmm. it would be to start a, consist- a consistent meditation practice, 10 minutes a day, not just when you feel like it though. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. You're not going to get results if you do it on a Tuesday and then three weeks later on a Saturday and three weeks later here that no, you're going to have the same results as you would with physical exercise. Mm-hmm. It only really works and is cumulative. If you do it repetitively, Mm -hmm. it's mental fitness, just like your body operates with physical fitness. Mm -hmm. It's the repetition of it that builds that mental muscle. So that would be my, my big recommendation. I love that. I think absolutely. We, we have talked um, quite at length about meditation and different types of meditation in this podcast um, because it is that abundance piece, right? You can have a lot more when you have that control over how you can react because we very much know our internal creates our external. And that emotional regulation piece is a big part of how we operate. So I love that you shared that it helps you to be able to not just react and choose how you're going to move forward. I appreciate that piece a lot. And I love that. I'm curious if you don't mind sharing what else is in your routine. So I, um, I call them the three R's. And, um, so it's, um, reading. So I'm generally reading, um, some type of growth or personal development book, Mm -hmm. um, just for 10 minutes a day or so. Mm -hmm. So it's reading, um, reflection, which is basically meditation mm-hmm. um, and repetition. And the repetition is where I am um, thinking about like either my day or my desired outcome or whichever goal I'm working towards. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about that or I'm writing it out as a reminder. Um, 
because it provides basically that directional focus. It gives like that GPS core. It's like, it's giving directions to your brain, basically. Mm -hmm. Like you're reminding yourself of where you're going so that when you, so that like, it's, it's kind of embedded at the start of your day so that, you know, like when other things come up, which they always will, right. You're reminding yourself directionally where you're going and what your goal is. I love that. And I think we've used this term of values, right? But also often our goals are going to be through our values and base. So again, you're reentering that piece and, and bringing it back in into your daily practice. I love that. I think that that's extremely important. Yeah. Yeah. So how, now that we're on the topic of goals, how do we effectively set goals? Well, they, it goes back to your values again, mm-hmm. right? So I think the problem, let me, let me first start talking about why most people don't achieve their goals. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason for this is because they're not anchored to anything. They're not anchored to values. So, so let's say, for example, New Year's resolutions, right? Like everybody wants to lose like five to 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. It's like a pretty safe like yep. goal, right? Everybody's like working on their fitness all of a sudden. January 1st, right? Mm -hmm. And most people fall off the wagon by the end of the month. Okay. Mm -hmm. Why? Right. What's the difference between people who uh, are committing to their goals and people who are not? So the main reason is the people who are really committed to them have an emotional attachment to it. They have Mm -hmm. an emotional attachment to that goal, whether that's, you know, for health reasons, like if they don't lose the weight, you know, they're going to die or, you know, something really drastic or, it's because it aligns to their values, mm-hmm. right? It aligns to who they are as a person inherently. So like, mm-hmm. for example, someone who runs a marathon, someone who has a goal of running a marathon this year, one of their values is probably going to be something around health or mm-hmm. fitness, mm-hmm. right? You don't choose a goal like that if you value something like, I don't know, creativity, organization, and freedom. Right. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. that would be misaligned. So you have to think about when you're goal setting, what are your values? Like what's really important to you? I'm not saying, you know, don't exercise and don't take care of yourself. But what I am saying is don't beat yourself up if you're not achieving a goal that's not aligned to your values, because Mm -hmm. that's why you're not achieving it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like don't beat yourself up so much about it. Maybe. Cause what good does that do? Right. Maybe you set goals with something that's aligned to your values. Right. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you somehow make it aligned to your values so that you train your brain to think that it's aligned to something that really excites you mm-hmm. because your values are what's inherently driving you. It's like that driving force in your body. It'll be the yeah. reason that you, you know, get up and do what you do during the day, right? Mm -hmm. It's the reason why moms feel so much guilt. It's because they really, they really, they think they should value family, but maybe they really don't. Maybe they really value like connection or something else. And it's okay if you don't, right? But it has to be aligned. Mm -hmm. It has to be aligned in order to take the necessary action in order to achieve the goal. Mm -hmm. That's really powerful. It's, I think, 
hearing you say that kind of piece of, yeah, it's okay if that's not one of your top values, right? And noticing that and moving towards actually goals that you're going to achieve. Because I think those are the goals that are on that vision board where if people are not doing a regular practice and they do a vision board or they do journaling or things. And then like, you know, a couple of years later, they're like, oh my gosh, look, I had all these things. I already completed all these goals. And it's because it wasn't that piece of, oh my gosh, I have to get up and I have to work out at 6am because I want to lose these five pounds when it feels like that resistance, like you're talking about, because it's not in alignment with your goals. That makes so much sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Really powerful. It is. I feel like we brought it full circle because we originally started talking about goals. Um, But I think that so much of the work that you're talking about is that piece, right? Of like that holistic value of, yes, there's time management. Yes, there is mindset. And we have to incorporate all these different pieces that go below that of, you know, what are the values? What are the things we really care about? What are our driving and um, intrinsic forces? So I love that. Um, I appreciate your time so much. I appreciate our listeners' time. I know your time is valuable and I appreciate you spending it with us. I am going to put all of Amy's information in the episode notes so that you can get in contact with her, follow her, get some coaching if that feels right for you guys. Um, And again, thank you so much, Amy. Thank you for hanging out with me on the Abundance Alchemist podcast. Don't forget to head over and grab your free self-love activation meditation at theabundancealchemist.com and hit subscribe here so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, sending you so much love.